Hello and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast and video series of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm Jeff Lee, Associate Editor. It's Friday, April 23rd, and this is our weekly wrap. Special thanks to our sponsors and advertisers, 321 Precision Conversions, Anchor International, AEI, C-Cubed Aerospace, EFW, IPR Conversions, and ULDRentals.com. I'm pleased to be joined today by a special guest, Jim Edgar, Senior Consultant of Cargofax Consulting, who was Regional Director of Cargo Marketing at Boeing for 25 years and overall has more than 50 years of aviation experience. Hi, Jim. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good this uh, post CFA 2021 uh, weekend. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago, but we held our first virtual conference last April, actually. And this week, of course, we just had our second virtual CargoFax Asia. Um, generally, what did you think of, of this event this time around? Well, um, I thought of three words that kind of sum things up for me, and I'll, I'll uh, talk about each one very quickly. But the very first word um, that I thought of immediately at, at, during and at the conclusion of the event was opportunities. Uh, tremendous opportunities for cargo and a, an unusually universal recognition of the importance and significance of air cargo. Um, you know, uh, there was an article uh, uh, today that uh, talked about the IATA uh, uh, report and uh, forecast, and uh, the uh, one section was co-remain supreme, and I think that really does sum things up, and the unprecedented opportunities uh, for everybody. I think there were two factors that uh, that uh, the pandemic contributed to uh, cargo's uh, resurgence uh, in terms of significant. That is, first of all, the lockdowns all over the world that uh, stimulated an already uh, expanding e-commerce uh, market and buying. And then number two, the, the huge um, uh, constraint of not having so much uh, passenger lower hold capacity. So between e-commerce growth and uh, the lack of lower hold capacity, I think uh, all kinds of opportunities. Um, so that's the first word. The second word is substantive. And, uh, and uh, since I didn't have a part in uh, making those decisions, um, uh, but uh, I really felt the topics that were covered, every one, every panel, uh, the forecasts that uh, Frederick provided, the uh, interview with Eddie Liu, uh, China Airlines Cargo, um, uh, both uh, Gilbert's and Tom's uh, um, sponsored uh, briefings were just excellent. Uh, quality panelists, quality topics to delve into. And then the third might surprise you a little bit, but I thought transparency uh, was a good uh, word in that I really felt taking a step back and, and listening to so many uh, conferences over the years and even uh, webinars that have proliferated during the pandemic, that the panelists, those that were interviewed, uh, were unusually transparent and that maybe that was a function of 
the lack of in-person because of course the air cargo industry is very relational. So uh, opportunities abound in our segment of the industry. And uh, I heard from different panelists on the low side of three years for this uh, unusually high growth to last all the way to five years. Um, so opportunities, substantive and uh, transparency would be uh, my takeaways if uh, yeah, with those are, one yeah. word descriptors. Good, good keywords. And I, yes, I agree with you on, on all three. And then I think there was a, there was a uniformity in the, in the sort of overall mood um, and feeling about the, the air cargo industry and obviously for freighters. But um, you were talking about transparency there. Do you think maybe that is related to the, the optimism that, that the industry has and the, you know, the demand for, for freighter aircraft going forward? Well, certainly optimism plays a role, but um, I've observed over my 50 plus years in the industry that um, unlike the passenger business, um, the, the cargo business is much more collegial and cooperative. And I know we have a ways to go. You can always have more cooperation and, and all of that, but it's extremely competitive, but people really do work with one another well. And uh, I think that the optimism and then the natural uh, longevity of players that are involved in air cargo, um, I think contributed to the unusual transparency. There was a lot, I, th I think, especially of Eddie Liu's interview and uh, how fascinating it was that China Airlines cargo actually made money. Um, and, and Eddie described in, in uh, quite a bit of detail uh, what China Airlines cargo did uh, when faced with the pandemic. And really each of the panelists, uh, certainly on my panel and the other panels, um, were very willing to share their strategies, the near-term, long-term future. And so, again, that just jumped out at me as I evaluated. This really had a lot to it. And uh, besides being substantive, I think the, uh, the uh, panelists and those being interviewed uh, were much more forthcoming in what they shared with uh, our audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I, we kind of are in an unprecedented situation when it comes to the demand for, for cargo aircraft and freighter conversions, aren't we? And the, it, it really is an interesting topic um, when it comes to conversions because we have this, basically almost all freighter conversion programs are now firing on all cylinders. And consequently, the slot constraint is becoming a, a real challenge, isn't it? Yeah, and I would go back first word that describes CF 2021, and that is opportunities. I think that um, obviously the demand is very strong, especially compared to passenger. But um, because of the simultaneous suppression of passenger demand and the availability of relatively new and uh, cheaper feedstock, I think between the demand and the availability of uh, right-priced aircraft, that's what's fueling the conversion boom, as you call it. 
Um, but uh, I think those two in conjunction with each other are, are really uh, interesting. Um, and again, I think as I look at panelists and uh, uh, those that spoke during the conference, um, it always strikes me how even in difficult and challenging situations, there's those that can take advantage of it and uh, work it to their uh, profit. And uh, certainly with the, the uh, newer, uh, less expensive uh, feedstock, that uh, helps the, the conversion market. Right, and they really are um, you know, snapping up slots uh, left and right. And the, obviously those who, who move first will uh, take advantage of that. Um, I thought it was interesting and you know, kind of shocking that then you could be looking at a wait of up to you know three three years for for a conversion stock, and that's just that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Um, but uh, that's on the other hand with the large wide body um, in that segment, there isn't really now a, a lot of choice uh, when it comes to freighters, and that's you know both Airbus and Boeing are kind of. I guess they're being hesitant when it comes to uh, launching a, a new production freezer program. Yeah, there doesn't seem, and part of this is again driven by the pandemic, and that is that um, so much traffic is being diverted to freighters, and the uh, we had a pretty significant parked fleet, and so so much of the parked fleet in the large wide body segment has been pulled into service. But um, of course, Boeing has offered the only large wide body freighter for quite a while, ever since the A380 freighter, uh, they decided not to go into production with that. Um, so this, as you look at a, a production freighter, you usually expect about a 20 year service life. And then the OEMs start looking for what's next. And, uh, what does the market need? And, and obviously the 478F uh, next year, uh, that'll be the end of that production run, sadly. But the 777F is only about halfway through that 20 year, um, uh, what you'd expect, the, the service life. So they've got a little, Boeing's got a little bit of time and uh, you know, they're, uh, uh, they're the market leader. They're the only one that provides uh, production freighters uh, in that large wide body segment. But um, I would also uh, remind everybody that Boeing has its hands full, even more than Airbus, uh, in terms of the challenges that they face uh, near term. Uh, obviously, the 737 MAX, and there's still large numbers that uh, are uh, on the ground and need to be uh, delivered. And uh, they need to, the uh, A321 XLR is a challenge. Uh, so Boeing, to, to look at uh, what's next in terms of the large wide body freighter as a 777-200F replacement, um, uh, I, I, the timing isn't real favorable for Boeing. They've got more than they can handle. Uh, Airbus, on the other hand, even though they haven't 
really uh, ever offered a large wide body freighter. Um, you know, production freighter was the uh, A330 uh, 200F, and of course that's a medium wide body. But um, Airbus in some sense is in a better position near term, and uh, we can have another podcast on the comparative merits of the 777XF versus the A350F. But uh, in any event, my understanding is that the A350F uh, could make a very competitive freighter. So it really, uh, I, I wouldn't expect uh, Boeing to do a lot in this regard. They've got a proven product. Uh, it's sold, uh, you know, 200, roughly 200 units so far. And they've got a real, a lot of strength in the uh, production freighter market. Uh, but uh, I think Airbus, if they decide to, um, could offer some formidable competition. Uh, but I, I'm not as familiar with all the challenges besides the financial and, um, you know, uh, what Airbus would be up against. But uh, my sense is that both Airbus and Boeing are trying to manage their way through this uh, pandemic even now. And uh, thus, it will likely be a while until they do anything in terms of a multi-billion U.S. dollar commitment that any uh, derivative freighter would uh, present. So uh, that's my snapshot. Uh, yeah, no, it's I really see. interesting. I mean, I, uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall at you know, either Boeing or Airbus when it comes to having these discussions of, you know, what do we do and you know what would this airplane look like and what would be the performance like and to think of you know what they would be thinking of the, the competitor too that would be also uh, really fascinating to hear but i yeah it would be i don't envy them um being in that position but it will be interesting to see who who moves moves first and uh what the other company does in response, I think. Um, anyway, if, that's... If, if history repeats itself, um, obviously as an interested observer in the past, um, normally uh, Airbus will begin uh, releasing charts and uh, looks at possibilities for freighters that they're considering. So I would... I would, if, if, like I said, if history repeats itself, I would expect some releases um, of that uh, information. And it sounds like from press reports that uh, they're talking with customers. And of course, Boeing talks with customers all the time too. But uh, that would be the next uh, step, I would think. If we start uh, seeing something uh, being released, uh, or floated around in terms of capabilities and what they're actually talking about, that might give us an indication that they're very, very serious about uh, doing something sooner rather than later. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like they're already doing that um, to some degree. So it will be, we'll be covering that and following it with, uh, with much interest. But uh, that's all we have time for today. So thank you so much, Jim, for your, for your time. And we'll definitely talk to you again soon. Thank, thank you, you to our listeners. Thank you to our listeners and viewers for, for joining us as well on this weekly wrap on CargoFax. For more mul multimedia content like this, check out CargoFax.com and search CargoFax Connect on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you.